Good evening, folks, and welcome back to another episode of South Vachetta Curtain. As always, it's your boy Devin Hine, sitting across from the man, the myth, the legend, Lucas Mueller. You want to say hi to the folks, Luke? Hello, folks. Guys, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been like uh, three months. Yeah, it's been way too long. Just to be clear, this was not our intention. Nope. We talked about, and we had like a plethora of ideas, right? Our whole show is about digging way deeper into the Packers than most people would ever want to know. Yep. But schedule stuff didn't work out. You know, Luke and his wife were busy enjoying, you know, the summer because Sally's a teacher, so you got to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I was busy, you know, being on the pup list, getting my hernia repaired. So, you know, we were both busy. We were, yeah. But we're back, and I think that the deficit, the lacking of the show, has made me even hungrier than ever. Absolutely. I am ready to go. All right. So, whole lot we can catch up on. We can just kind of start with, how should I say this, you know, um, housekeeping stuff. Yeah, little news and notes. Little news and notes. After the draft, any roster, you know, signings, moves. We talked about this before the show, and the only one that came to mind was uh, Dallin Levitt. Safety, this is another one like the Rich Basaccia signings. Yeah, special teams guy type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, probably like your fifth safety on the roster. Really don't want to see him on the field on defense. Mm -hmm. But being a Basaccia guy, plays with his hair on fire, smart guy. So I think that's the only addition though, right? Since, yeah, since I think the draft. so. Where's number six? Always fun for a secondary player. Oh, yeah, that's great love for the a confidence. Safety. It's beautiful. Love it. Unless he's giving up a lot of sixes, then I don't love it. Okay, we'll get to that part. We'll get to that. So before we start with training camp, my co-host, Mr. Luke Mueller, yep. was blessed enough to go to training camp. I was. Yeah, I, I went for a, a day with my dad. We were up in Elkhart Lake at Road America, and we were there to see a, a IMSA race in early August. And we decided, hey, one day, took my dad up there for a belated birthday present. Let's go to Green Bay. Right, let's go to the motherland. Let's go what to the a holy present. land. Right? What a present. Also, little uh little tidbit there for you guys. If you need, you know, a present for a loved one, there's your idea. Take him to Green Bay. I mean, assuming they're a Packer fan. If if not, then maybe not. But if not, then why then your life? Let's be real. <laughs> Solid question. Solid question. So yeah, I decided to take him up there and kind of surprised him with the ability to go to training camp, right? I've been to Green Bay many times, but I've never been there to watch a practice. I was very curious about it, and so was he. So we went up there. It's kind of staggering to see how many people are there, which is a random like Thursday practice. No big deal. So actually, it was the day before family night. And there's like 1,500, 2,000 people. Like they're packed stands at the practice facility. I mean, it's Wisconsin. Like, what else are you going to do? It was a beautiful day. Like, literally anything outside. It's still Wisconsin. And granted, my dad's family's from Wisconsin. Like, half my family's from Wisconsin. But still. It is limited in its options, but I'm happy there was such a good turnout for our team. Oh, it was great, and everybody comes decked out. I mean, you would have thought it was a Packer game with the jerseys and the hats and, and everything. I, it was very impressed. I was very impressed with the with the entire ordeal. Uh, the bike riding and all that good stuff. Um, Did so, you get to see that? Like any good Packer players giving their, not, their bikes to kids? or Not really, because it's first come, first serve as far as seating goes, mm -hmm. and the doors open an hour and a half before practice. So if you want a good seat, you have to be in the stands already. And the bike riding people kind of already have a separate area right outside the practice facility. Okay. Kind of a different set of bleachers um, where they can go because obviously they're last minute, right? Because the players are showing up and they got to quick get a seat. So that, that part was really interesting. But um, there were some cheers, 
like when certain players came riding on a bike or whatever. So that was cool. That was cool. Uh, but once it kind of got going, there was a lot going on. And one of the things that I really took away was, you know, right, we played football in high school. And the fact that practice, football practice is football practice, right? It's like the same, the way it's set up and everything. Um, which I just, I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but I thought that was interesting. Did you feel like you could relate more? Yeah, I think so, right? Because you see, and they all come out, and well, first off, they're like 20 minutes late, so I don't know what was going on there. All the position coaches were out, mm-hmm. but Matt LaFleur and the team stayed in. Then you hear the the sound, the doors open, the sound come out of the weight room, and they're clearly listening to pump-up music, and everybody runs out, and everybody cheers, and it was like, all right, this is a random Thursday practice, but this is pretty cool. Um, and... I'm going to pause yeah. as, as Luke is staying this guy's. He is grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> I know that he often likes to pause and uh, describe my emotions, but sometimes I wish we were a show and this is like a, like a YouTube show. And this is one of those moments. I, I, I appreciate that. It was, it was a really cool experience. And even just that, like the atmosphere is so much more than you would anticipate, I think. And where we were sitting, we were right in front of a, uh, Butkus, right? Offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. That dude is a mountain of a man, by the way. <laughs> you would Look, hope so. Right? Offensive looks, line coach. Looks just like Dick. Identical. Just huge. Way bigger, though. Um, so he's out there, and they're all just playing around, whatever. Then the players come out. And from there, it's just normal practice. Normal football practice, right? You go into individual drills. Then you do some one-on-one, some 11-11, red zone, two-minute drills, and you're basically done. Mm-hmm. Right? So that was, that was really cool. It, it did allow me to relate a little bit. I'm like, hey. I remember doing that stuff. I hated that part, but... And weren't you a wide receiver for your junior and senior year? Yeah. Yeah, I was. So very relatable as I think... Is, I mean, the whole nation would pretty much say that the most keyed-in position for the Packers this offseason going into the season yeah. is the receiver room. You know, if you haven't heard, we kind of lost that Devontae guy. Correct. And MVS, right? So... Randy. Okay, he's he not, will, he's not he on our team anymore. He will still be Randy in Kansas City... We will still be checking up on him. Still part of the show. We can have weekly MVS updates, no problem. Little MVS updates. Little Mitch Trubisky updates. I don't know why we're talking about Mitch. He literally has nothing to do with us. I don't know. He was he was the catalyst in the most dividing episode of our show so far. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. I, I thought you were going to go with Devontae. Let's check it on Devontae. And then you pull out Mitch. I'm like, all right, that's, that's uh, disappointing. I see, I see what you're saying, but I think Devontae is just going to feast. Like, that isn't even, I guess we can check in on his feasting, but that offense that he went to, like, perfectly set up for him. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna do good things, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. Well, this isn't a Raiders podcast, so let's no. get back home where we belong. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And like you said, right, everyone's looking at wide receivers, and I was a little bummed because we were what would have been kind of the 50-yard line. Um, they have it broken up, so there's an end zone in the middle of the field, and then on both ends. So mm-hmm. we were in the middle of the field, which would, have, like I said, would have been roughly the 50 yard lines where they put the end zones. And so the offense was on the far right side, so I didn't get to see a ton of the wide receiver drills, or even the one on ones with wide receivers and cornerbacks. But what I did get a, a very good look at is the backside of all of our linemen, which actually could be a bigger question mark coming into the season. I was going to say at some point during this show, I feel like I'm feeling better about our wide receiver room than yep. I am about the offensive line at this point. So from seeing their backsides, 
Any takeaways? Yeah, no, I had a couple. Um, first and foremost, one of the things that really struck me, I think, was how small Zach Tom is. Right? Because I was like looking at the players trying to figure out who's who and, and all that kind of stuff, right? When they were first doing their initial drills. And we got some big dudes out there. Um, and we'll get, I'm going to get to one of them in just a second. We'll fun anecdote about Caleb Jones. But Zach Tom doesn't seem very big. He's 50, right? Yeah, he's 50. Yeah, he sticks out in the San Fran game because he is much smaller than the rest, like you said. Right, and he was a he was a tackle at Wake Forest. I think he played every position basically at Wake Forest, ended up as a tackle. But I, I don't see him playing tackle in the NFL. I know he's got some reps in practice, and I think even in the game he got a couple. But, I mean, he looks more like, and he's not bulked up like a guard would be, you would think. So I, maybe he's just, I think he's probably best suited at center, just given his build at the moment. Now you can... You can grow and you can get bigger and now that you're in a professional weight room and stuff like that. But, yeah, he was a lot smaller than I anticipated. But just talking about, like, him being at center, can you imagine like Josh Myers goes down with an injury and that man is an absolute He's huge. behemoth. He's like yeah. a woolly mammoth. That's yeah. what I think of when That's I see Josh Myers. And then you go to little Zach Tom. Like, eh. and Zach Tom could maybe be more of, like, a Jason Kelsey type guy, a little bit smaller center Mm -hmm. you know what i mean maybe even like a jc treader type some something along those lines where they're not a huge huge guy and aren't necessarily incredibly strong because like Corey lindsley wasn't the biggest guy he wasn't as big as josh Myers, but he was the strongest man on the field at all times and zach tom's not that and one of the smartest too correct so that that stuck out to me um i do want to note that like everyone was wearing kind of basketball shorts right normal gear and did they have the new uh, concussion safety helmets? Oh yeah, all the that was that. That's way to bring that up. That was pretty funny. The offensive lineman, defensive lineman, linebackers, uh, running backs, anybody who's going to be making contact consistently yeah. in practice wears these. And it's all like scientific based, right? Yeah. Like actually, we should applaud the NFL a little bit. Yeah, you completely know, for agree. Concussion safety protocol, right? These helmets, I think I heard reduce. The chance of concussions anywhere from like 15 to 25 percent, I want to say. So if you can wear them in training camp and potentially, you know, avoid a concussion or two. Yeah. Save your noggin a little bit from all those repeated hits in practice. All for it. Yeah. It does look silly, but all for it. It looks ridiculous, but also comical. I think they could have made them like different colors. Maybe if they were yellow to match the helmets or something, it wouldn't look as bad. Why does it feel... Like it's a throwback. Like maybe I'm thinking of the old leather helmets yeah, like that's back in the forties. But it almost looks when I saw it at first, I was like, Oh, are they doing some like retro throwback, like funny thing? And then it was like, Oh nope. no, every team has this. I think the aesthetics could definitely be improved upon. because uh, right now it makes everybody's head look giant. So they also kind of look like bobbleheads. Which is funny. Um <laughs> but not the best look, if we're being honest. No, not at all. And especially, you know, for the football outsider. Who thinks that these, you know, big, strong, overweight guys mm-hmm. are just ramming into each other? It also makes them look like less intelligent and more to that it, thought it process. It makes people look super goofy. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But like everybody's wearing these these yellow basketball shorts. Clearly, that's like the training camp short, right? Mm-hmm. Except for a couple people. One of which is Sean Ryan. Who I was very excited to see, and he's wearing. Clearly, they have two two options here. They have the long basketball shorts, but he's wearing. He's like tight short shorts and that's quite the look for a man who's like six three three fifteen or whatever that dude is 
Yeah, bro, you're not running cross country. That was more our style back in the day. And and I'm talking like tight. And Ooh. and this dude's got tree trunks. I mean, he is a thick, powerful human. He's like the anti Zach Tom. Where did you see him line up? Just curiosity. Right guard. Which I'm trying to think who is currently our starting. Uh, right guard's Hanson. With the makeshift. Oh, yeah. That's a whole topic. Jake yeah. Hanson. We'll get yeah. to you, buddy. We will. Well, there's also some news that we will get to that uh, maybe Newman's going back home. But to right guard. All right. Preview for later. All right. I'm excited. We call that tease in the business. Indeed. And it's even a tease for me. Like, we, <laughs> we have... We're very honest with our show. We yeah. say, oh, yeah, we talk about things before the show. And that was not something we talked so about there before you go. the show. There you go. We got some good info here. We got some good info, folks. Um, but Sean Ryan, I was a little disappointed. I, he didn't really seem quite as powerful as I anticipated. Um, now, you don't see a ton necessarily, but I really wanted him to flash a little bit more because I, I was really looking forward to seeing him. And he looked fine. He didn't like give up any, any real bad plays in one-on-ones or anything like that, but just didn't really flash positively. Uh, which is fine. I mean, you know, he's a rookie, right? It's going to take some time. Third round rookie, he's not necessarily going to walk in and, and dethrone the starters at guard. So that was fine. One of the interesting things, I think, was the tackle rotation for sure. Because Jenkins and Bakhtiari both came out during the practice and they just kind of stood there. What I thought was interesting, though, was Bakhtiari didn't do anything, right? He, just, he literally just stood there. And Jenkins came in and was like fake playing running back during some of the drills and stuff like that, which is normally what people that are hurt, but kind of like coming back, they can kind of jog around, do a little something. You know, he's playing around with people. Um, but Bakhtiar did not. He basically just stood there. I guess one other tidbit from the offseason that maybe we should have mentioned. So if we remember Bakhtiari tore his ACL, what, like two seasons ago? Yeah. Tries to come back last season, comes back for the Lions game. Mm-hmm. But it was in the middle, I believe, of last season where he had to have a cleanup of his ACL surgery. Yeah. Right? And he had another one this offseason. Correct. So I think we're starting to have concerns about his long-term viability. Yeah. But that's the reason why. Because I'm sure, you know, if I didn't know that as a Packer fan, I'd be like, why isn't he back? It's been like a year and a half now. Yeah, where is he? He just had surgery all over again, which, as I can, you know, relate to now is a process. Yeah, it takes some time to get back from that, but that was definitely something I was paying attention to. How were they moving, Mm -hmm. right? Even just walking around, and Jenkins was much more playful, messing with people, like going up to some of the guys and like fake blocking them and stuff like that. Definitely being a lot more carefree when wandering around and playing around at like fake running back and like taking snaps and joking around and stuff. And Bakhtiari had, it was literally just stood there the entire time. And Bakhtiari is a bit of a joker in the locker room. He is. So, Ugh. yeah, I just, that I found that interesting and kind of what we'll get into, I think, is Jenkins seems a little bit closer than Bakhtiari. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. And as the news from today that we'll discuss definitely indicates that Elton is on his way back and David Bakhtiari is still in mystery wonderland. Yeah, just, just don't know with him so far. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what else, specifically from the offensive lines. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Caleb Jones. I got to mention Caleb Jones. Yeah, or what, 6'8", 400-pound left tackle? Yeah, he's a giant. He was working in at the number two right tackle spot for most of the practice I was at. Okay. Um, Which I found to be pretty decent. He was not a third-string guy because there were some guys that were clearly, you know, you watch him do some of the individual stuff and you're blocking other offensive linemen or whatever. 
there's some dudes that's like, okay, you're not making it out of camp. You can just tell they're not built for it. They got like little scrawny legs and, and I've never heard of them before. I was going like, to say like numerically, like we know, yeah. like if you're a name, like we know you have a chance, but there's other guys where it's like, yeah. And I was looking at, at those guys and I'm like, you're not it. You know, you're, you're clearly not at the level these other guys are at. Mm-hmm. And Caleb Jones is, is kind of an interesting case because he's huge, right? He's a mountain. He was a very hot top of conversation around me. The rest of the fans around me were like, who's the huge dude? Where's Caleb Jones? I want to see him. Like, all that kind of stuff. You should have been like, maybe you should listen to South the Cheddar Curtain. I should have should have dropped and you'd it. you'd know. You'd have an idea. I should have. Next time. Next time, I'll just plug the pod the entire time I'm up there. Uh, but he looked all right. Obviously, he looks a little awkward. It's not surprising for a human of that size, but also his lower body is pretty thin, thinner than you would expect. How do you carry that frame? I I don't know, honestly. (laughs) But the big news is that he is my new favorite Packer because that's that's a big take of the offseason. Maybe maybe like top three. But here's here's something that else that happened in the offseason. You said top favorite. You said top favorite. We heard it here. I'll own it. I'll own it. This is episode one, season two, folks. (laughs) Caleb Jones is Luke Mueller's favorite. Number 72. Ride or die. Let's go. Please make it out of the preseason. Please make it to at least practice squad. He's going to make the team. I think he'll at least make practice squad. Anyways. Considering now that all of our backup offensive linemen are starting. (laughs) I mean, I think he's making the team, bro. We're all still calling us pretty soon. That's true, and that would not be pretty. At least he is a giant. He can at least get in the way better than we could. I'm 6'2". And and how heavy? Yeah, not exactly guard guard girth over there. You know what? I'll start doing my like double chicken at Chipotle. I'll get myself <laughs> back up there. Yeah, the double chicken's going to do it. Okay. I'm sure it will. Anyways, Caleb Jones. So a little anecdote about, about my man Caleb Jones. Please do. Shout out to Caleb Jones. He, his girlfriend, his mother... Apparently lives at the same place my grandmother does. Ooh. So, the girlfriend's mother told my grandmother, who's a huge Packer fan, by the way, and any if you talk to her for more than half a second, she's going to tell you that she's an owner, and she's been an owner for 30 years or whatever. It's been at this point. That's our kind of people, folks. Oh, yeah. Huge fan. Huge fan. The biggest fan, honestly. She's got one of those sideline capes, because she, like the ones that they wear on the sideline. When they got rid of him like 15 years ago, they got a new batch. She called Lambo, like the 1-800-Lambo number, whatever it is. She just called the number. It would not stop talking to people until they sent her one of the sideline capes. So my next question is, is when are we driving to see her and hooking up the third microphone and doing a show with her? That would be amazing. We may have to. She may have to be a guest. We're going to schedule that for the season. Okay, We can make it happen. We can make it happen. She would be so excited. Um, anyways, she was informed that Caleb Jones was coming mm-hmm. to her residence, right, to the place where she lives. And she was very excited and told me about it. I was like, hey, do you know who this person is? I'm like, absolutely. He's huge. Of course I do. Of I'm course Luke Mueller. Hello. We have a Packers podcast. Of course I know this random undrafted free agent. I am part of Packers media, <laughs> grandmother. Did you forget? And so he comes. And she she's there, right, because she, like, hangs out in the lobby of this place. So she she's there. Mm-hmm. Right. She meets him right off the bat, gets him to sign a Packer hat. He's super excited about it because he's an undrafted free agent that no one's ever heard of for the most part, right? He's probably super excited when someone wants his autograph. Nobody except for us and all of you loyal listeners. Thank you. Correct. I think I did bring him up in the post-draft show, I believe. 
Oh, I'm sure we did because we looked through every single pick because that's what we do here. And if there's a Giants as an undrafted free agent, you bet we're going to find him. So he comes in and according to my grandmother, is the nicest person on the planet. Super sweet, very happy, very excited to sign the hat. Listen to her talk about the Packers. She even brought up that I know Jack Heflin. I don't know Jack Heflin, but that's fine. We went to Northern at the same time, so that's close enough. Whoa, time out. Do not back away from your love for Jack Heflin. He is one of your boys. He is one of my boys, but I don't actually know Jack Heflin. You might be his number one fan. There's a very good chance, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you like back down from that. I'm just saying I don't physically know him. I've never met him. I would love to, Jack Heflin, if you're listening. That would be great. I bet he would love to meet you. Probably. Probably. But moral of the story is if you're nice to my grandmother, you are absolutely my number one packer. Worth a shout out several times this season. So I hope you make the team, Caleb, because you were nice to my grandmother. And that means a lot. You got to be nice to people's grandmas out there. Of course, I'm biased because he's nice to your grandma. Absolutely. I feel like all the work, like at work, I'm telling patients all the time, like, oh, my God, you're nice. Like you say, thank you. I love you. Like human decency, I feel like has kind of gone downhill over the past couple of years. That's fair. So I now love him too. Shout out to Caleb Jones for being Shout out nice, Caleb Jones. Very nice to my grandmother. Also, just you know, for all of our listeners, I'm sure you all are nice because you listen to our show, but like just just keep it going. Yeah. It's, it's a tough world out there. And be nice to people's grandmas. Be nice to people's grandmas. Be nice to people in general. There's my plug for the day. There you go. So Caleb Jones looked pretty good, I thought. Um he looked pretty decent out there at second string right tackle. Didn't get worked too bad on one-on-ones and stuff like that. I do want to bring up, because this this episode should not only be about my visit to training camp, so I want to make sure I hit my main points here. But I got a good look at the one-on-ones for offensive and defensive line, mm-hmm. right? Because they're in the same general vicinity. Didn't get to see a ton of of the DBs and, and uh, wide receivers and all that. But good God is Rashawn Gary a beast. I mean, just... And you've been hearing, I'm sure you've heard it, like all the stuff coming out of training camp is that he's just destroying everyone. First-hand experience, he's absolutely destroying everyone. It's perfect that he identifies himself with Bane because that's a pretty good comparison. At where this like point, He's yeah. just going to dominate you and he's going to get in your face about it. Like the man is power, he is speed, he is just... I mean, we talked about back in the day when we drafted him, right? Mm-hmm. Like Brian Burns looked like the better draft pick. There were yeah. other guys that were more polished. Correct. Sean Gary is just like, if you need an indication to trust Brian Gutekunst, you look at the Rashawn Gary pick and what he has become. Because he's incredible, man. Watching the one-on-ones, watching the 11 like He just was blowing everything up. It didn't matter who they put out there. He would just beat them every single time. And I may be jumping the gun a little bit because we're going to kind of jump back to like just overall training camp notes, things that, you know, we heard, we saw, we wanted to talk about. But like Rashawn Gary in training camp, like one of the days, like the number twos were having a rough time and he like stops practice, goes out there and hypes them up. Like he is not just the physical specimen freak that we thought he was. Mm -hmm. He is becoming a true leader on this team. And that's something else I noticed. We have a lot of that on defense. We have literally one of those at every level, right? Because we have Rashawn Gary, who's taken that mantle on the defensive line. Devondre has definitely become that throughout the linebackers. And I saw some bits and pieces of that, right? He's not, I don't think he's quite as vocal as, as maybe Gary is, and definitely not as much as Amos, who's the, the back end, without a doubt. That dude was literally cheering on the sideline the entire time. Anytime anything happened for any 
backup DB defensive anything. Dude was excited. Dude was pumped. Bringing the energy. And you're mentioning those those guys, and my brain's still going like, oh, Luke, like we can't forget about like Kenny Clark, and Jair. Next level, Preston Smith. Yep. Next level, Jair. Razul God always seemed like a really team friendly guy. Who had a pick six, by the way, in the practice I was at. Did you think of me? I did. I hope you did. I did. <sighs> and Amos went nuts. What was the route? Uh, it was an out route <clears throat> that he jumped. I think he picked Love, and then he had another one um, that got tipped up in the air. I think Amos tipped it, mm-hmm. and then Rasul came down with it and ran it the other way. He just, I mean, ball hawk, but also you I mean, talk about guys. It's like something they say in Madden, right? Like mm-hmm. he's someone who, once he gets the ball, like he knows what he to knows do what with to it. do. Yeah, yeah. There should be some stat about. I mean, they do keep track of you know defensive backs and their like their yards after interception but my god i would love to pull that up and just see his average yards after interception it has to be astronomical yeah he clearly knows what he's doing with the ball in his hands and that actually brings me another thing he's a big dude like you you know he's big right like he's a pretty big corner but like in person he's like towering over even stokes he made stokes look little and stokes is not a little guy he's thin but he's not he's not short he's what six foot six one something like that like douglas is is big and lanky out there he looked like a strong safety. That's what he looks like on the field. With the person. speed of a corner. Yeah. He's just, God, he is such an asset to this defense. Because he's not quite as thick, but he looks pretty similar to Amos, like just, in person. I cannot I cannot find the words to express to our listeners how much of an asset it is to have that chess piece on oh, this incredible. defense. And especially with everybody else we have. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. And the defense definitely won the day I was there. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Rodgers, I think, threw a pick. Love threw a couple. That's That's been the script through most of training camp. Yeah, no, nothing new there. A mm-hmm. um, couple other things I want to touch on real quick is Danny Etling literally sprints everywhere. Is he Taysom Hill 2.0? He might be. Uh, like, no joke, he literally sprints everywhere. Because at some point, right, the backup quarterback backup quarterbacks, backup running backs have to go do their thing and go against linebackers and stuff, and then the first team kind of stays over here. Mm-hmm. Dude literally straight up sprinted 70 yards. Like, everywhere he goes, he's at a dead sprint. Then you'll see, like, Love and Rodgers kind of, like, jogging behind him like normal people. He literally sprints every single place he goes on the field. It's kind of hilarious considering no one else is even half that speed. They're all doing the normal, like, practice. I'm just going to jog from one place to the other. Straight up sprinting. That's the at all times. That's the beauty of training camp and these bringing preseason the, bringing games. the energy. You got these guys that are just straight energy guys. They may yep. not have the talent as the rest of the guys, but they are going to bring the heart every single opportunity. Mm-hmm. And watching Danny Etling in this preseason game was pretty entertaining because, like was. I said, he did kind of remind me of Taysom Hill a little bit. He's got a little bit to him, and now that he sprints everywhere, I can completely see it. I want to be as my practice squad quarterback. I feel like he's kind of the kind of guy that probably sprints to his car after practice. Like he may just be that guy all the time. If he has kids, I'm sure he sprints to them every time, and it's like his Super Bowl when he sees them. Like he just seems like so. he's That's that a nice thought, Devin. He's that kind of dude. I'm That's sure. A nice thought. In other quarterback related news, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, and people that don't like Aaron Rodgers, this just adds fuel to the fire. But he doesn't really do anything. Like he did no position drills. There's Jordan Love and and Danny Etling at a full sprint. 
um, going over there and doing like doing some rollout drills and throwing to the into the nets and everything. And Aaron Rodgers, literally, no exaggeration, this is actually what he did, had a feather in his helmet the entire practice. <laughs> literally a feather. Like that's not a that's not a joke. The man had a feather through the air vents in the top of his helmet. Literally just wandered around. If it wasn't something he was a part of, you know, 11 on 11, two minute drill, seven on seven, um, one on one, something like that. If it was just a quarterback focused drill, he was just wandering around talking to equipment people. I later found out that Jordy was at the practice. So he was talking to Jordy like he doesn't do a damn thing. He just shows up when he's needed, throws the football, then wanders around some more, which I found hilarious. If you already think he's a guy with a not great attitude, probably just feeds right into that. I was going to say, it's all about your mental attitude. It either fills into, you know, he's a POS, he has an attitude issue. My thinking is, I mean, he's earned it. And also, also, talk about numbers here. If you're Tom Clements, Mm -hmm. quarterback coach, if you're coaching three guys versus two guys, who is it, you know, easier to give more attention to? Yeah, hundred percent. And I was one of the things I was wondering is maybe at this point in his career is he on kind of a pitch count through training camp? And it would be a good preseason? idea. Yeah. Why? You know? Why would you add extra, extra tear or extra miles on that arm? There's that was no one reason. thought. But he was when he wasn't wandering around. He was like cheering on the other quarterbacks. Like he would stand right behind the net that they were trying to throw into while doing their rollouts, and he'd be like dancing if they made it, type of thing. So that was fun. It was fun. Like, it's no one else cared. Everyone just thought he was fun. But I was just like, really? He's not doing anything. I mean, you do you, man. Clearly it works. But I found that to be very funny. So much coverage of the Packers wants to, maybe not like local Packer coverage, like us and some of our other, yeah. you know, co-media members. Yes, I'm calling us that. But, like, national media wants to try to compare, you know, what happened between Favre and Rodgers and Rodgers and Love. And it is just... It's two completely different things. Aaron knows that Jordan was brought in to take his place, but he is definitely coaching him up. He is being a way better mentor than Favre ever was. Way more supportive. Like, they're actually friends. Mm -hmm. And I actually see him being happy when Jordan goes out and succeeds. And we've talked about Aaron on the show and some of the things that we weren't really proud of him doing, but him showing support for love and for Taysom Hill 2.0, Danny Etling... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love to hear it. It was it was pretty great. Um, one last thing, I think, and then and then I'm good is they the Romeo Dobbs Dubs Dobbs. We'll go with Dobbs. Either way, I'm happy. Either way, Romeo, Romeo, Romeo. Yeah. Wherefore out? Set that one up for you. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Like, cause I was curious if if the training camp hype was was real, right? And I kind of went in the beginning part of training camp, but. It's 100% real because he was out there mostly with the twos. He didn't have a ton of run with the ones while I was there. And he was clearly the best player on the field amongst the twos. Like pretty much dominated. And it's interesting because it kind of mirrors some of the stuff we were talking about as we were texting back and forth during the preseason game. But very heavily targeted by Jordan Love. And even in practice, they go away from him for a little bit. And then I even turned my dad. I'm like, hey, in the two minute drill. Like, they got to throw Romeo the ball here. It's fourth down. But they got to throw him the ball. Of course, next play, slant Romeo. Right? Like, that's... that's. I mean, who do you trust? He's the go-to guy 
with the twos, he's clearly the best. He was the best person on the field. Aaron's been saying, and like everyone's been saying, he makes like a go-to play, a, like a look at this play every single practice. And in the words of Aaron Rodgers, the only guys to do that are guys like Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson yeah. and other Packer all-time greats. And that's kind of what I was looking for, but I think what I found was even better from my perspective. Because he did make, he made some some really nice plays, made a really nice diving catch on an inner out that was low and away from him um, on third down and two-minute drill, stuff like that. But I think more than the splash plays, which are great, obviously, mm-hmm. but he was consistently open and getting the ball and making tough catches. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, he made one big play and he didn't really do anything in the rest of practice. He was the most heavily targeted person by far at practice. You know, he was getting the ball because he was getting separation consistently. He's making tough catches. Even there were a couple that are broken up towards him, but, you know, he was in position, ran good routes, everything like that. So it's just, he feels like the real deal, even in person. Like, he, he's legit. And I think we saw that in the preseason game. I think looking back after the draft, there was some, you know, coverage about that Romeo Dobbs would be the the rookie that would be soonest, like NFL ready, that Christian Watson yeah. would maybe have a higher upside. Granted, Watson's been hurt for most of, you know, pre like preseason so far, but training camp, so we haven't seen a whole lot. But yeah, I mean Dobbs has has stepped in, he's getting national attention. I could not have dreamed of him looking this good this early. It's yeah, he's really, really impressive, and I just hope he can keep it up. You know, I feel way better about our wide receivers now than I did. Sammy Watkins didn't really do much practice, but Romeo did. I was just gonna ask you before we jump off yeah. about Sammy Watkins. Didn't see much. No, not really, not really. Um, he got some. Some obviously he's with the ones, so him and mm-hmm. Lazard. I saw Lazard popped more than Watkins for sure, for sure. So I thought that to be interesting. I just I didn't really see him do much. I hear he isn't looking explosive. Yeah, he just kind of looked like a guy. I mean, he didn't look like he was getting like he was losing every rep or anything like that. Yeah, but he didn't really pop off the field at you. Yeah, we're gonna circle back to the Sammy Watkins situation, but I'm glad that you were able to, you know, see that and notate that because that's definitely a storyline to watch as we move forward. Yeah, and one more thing on the receiver, I didn't really see a lot of out of Samari Touré either. I think that was just the day I went because mm-hmm. I've heard really good things about him elsewhere. The night after on Family Night, Samari Touré yeah, was like, was "I'm here, Green Bay. What's up?" Right. So I think that was more just that day. He didn't get a ton ton of balls or didn't make a real big play so he didn't really flash at me either but you know that's a seventh round pick I'm more okay with it with that than Sammy Watkins oh yeah definitely and you can also look at like the money invested too right correct it's my two ray seventh round pick basically free in football terms Watkins I mean it wasn't a big deal but like if we cut him we do save money correct which I think is becoming a more of a potential reality than I would have thought three months ago. Agreed. I don't think we do it, but I think it's on the table. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm really thankful, first of all, that you were able to go to Packers preseason. Me too. It was great. Not only for your experience, but also for the show, for our people. Yeah. Yeah. And and then kind of at the end of that, right, me and my dad went and got some food. 
um, at the 1919 Kitchen and Tap, I believe. Great burger, by the way. Great burger. Cheese curds. Um, I did not get cheese curds. What are you no. doing? Great homemade chips. Homemade chips are delicious. All right. Really good vibe there. Went to the pro shop. Everybody, if you haven't, go hang out at Lambeau Field, man. There's a bunch of stuff open all the time. Every day. It was a random Thursday. Did you buy anything in the pro shop? I absolutely did. Of course I did. And? I got a couple shirts. Got some stuff for the lovely wife, Sally. Of course. Oh, um, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just take a quick pause yeah. in the show. Guys, so I'm I'm out last night with my my lovely girlfriend, Maria, and, um, and I get a notification on my phone. Instagram. South Lachetta Curtain has requested to follow you. Hold up. What? Hold up. What? So Luke's wonderful wife, Sally. Who also puts up with us recording in our house every puts, week. Puts up with us recording, often makes us little family dinners, mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. a fan of the show, hyping us up, went and made us an Instagram. So we now have an Instagram account where we do. We do. Just at South, South Curtain. Curtain. Yeah, nice so and simple. I don't really know what's going to you know be on there, but if you guys want to go ahead and give us a follow, maybe it can be an easier way for you to DM us questions as opposed to the email. Which is South Curtain at gmail.com. Which we're fully you know, asking for emails. We love the content. Absolutely. Even if they're bare questions, we don't care. We'll still put you back in reality. <laughs> Nevertheless, I just had to give Sally a shout out because I was super excited seeing that. Super excited. Yeah. She will be our social media manager. <laughs> that she is. We're getting that big, Luke, with our <laughs> 30 to 35 listeners, which, by the way, the... Uh, hey, to be the, fair, honestly, we're more like 50, 60 now. I mean, the overseas... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's listening to us in Denmark, but keep doing it, man. I mean, the Germany ones, right? We're both German. Yeah. The UK, I was born there. So maybe it's like maybe some it's, homage. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. But whoever you are, thank you, and please email in. I would, I would love to hear what you guys have to say, what Absolutely. questions you have. Absolutely. But the same thing to our domestic listeners, just because right. you're from the USA. You're just as important. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, come on, guys, right? Like, why is someone in Germany listening to us? That's my question. I think they Googled cheese, and then, boom, there we are. Maybe they're looking for cheese podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> Do we need to start talking about different types of cheese during our show? Uh, let's not. Favorite type of cheese, go. <laughs> Honestly, cheddar. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think so. It's versatile. You know, I like I like it on my burgers. Okay. Right? Okay. Like some little some cheese and crackers. I'm you can cur- have sharp. You can have not sharp. I mean, you got some options there. You do a lot of versatility, right? Yep. yep. Can you guess my favorite cheese? Mmm. Mmm. Mm. I feel like it's gonna be a weird cheese. It's a little weird, but it isn't like crazy. It's not like provolone. I wouldn't call it provolone crazy. Um, I'd call it crazy. Brie. No, that's very classy, though. It's because you're a classy man. <sighs> Thank you, sir. No, I go with pepper jack personally. Go oh, with spice. Oh, yeah, see, a little spice. Yeah, a little spice. I love pepper jack. I bring a little spice the... to the show, so it just kind of makes true. sense. That's true. I love pepper jack depending on the circumstance. You know, it can really spice up a sandwich. It really can. That's it can. literally its job. Ham and cheese, next level. All right, we should get back to talking about the Packers. <laughs> this is not a food show, folks. Not a food show, not a math show. We, we keep us uh, what we do best. So, do we. Like dabble in preseason notes other than, you know, Romeo's looking great. Romeo Romeo's looking great. Um Goodson seems to be having a good camp. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's another guy. He he is way more explosive than every other backup running back. Because AJ Dillon and, and Aaron Jones didn't get a ton of run. Um they went through their their things, but saw a lot of the backup running backs as we did in the preseason, right? Preseason game. I really like this Goodson guy. 
I like him too, but part of me is like holding back my emotions a little bit because Kylan Hill's been banged up and we liked what we saw out of him. Very much so. So I do want to see what he has, but Goodson. He's the best of the rest. Oh, easily. I think let's just pencil in for the sake of discussion that Kylan Hill is RB3. I think Goodson's RB4. Now, granted, you should not keep four running backs on the roster. Practice squad, probably. But like we saw Patrick Taylor in San Fran, and he was just like the Patrick Taylor that I remembered. Not much. Not much. Not a whole lot of upside or explosiveness, like mm-hmm. you said, that Mr. Goodson has, former you know Hawkeye. Love you. So, yeah, I, I have liked what I've seen out of him. Even, uh, what is it, B.J. Baylor? Yeah, he, he hasn't been bad. He had a big play in the preseason game, but same thing. I just... No one is nearly as explosive as Goodson. That's just he has a he has another he has a pop. He's got a nice little jump cut that the others just don't possess. Being good is literally in his name. How can you expect anything less? Oh boy. Oh boy. Is it preseason or are we in midseason form? Definitely preseason. Definitely preseason with those puns. Oh, okay. Uh I'm trying to think of anything else from the preseason that really stood out. Nothing's real. I mean, not preseason, like the training camp. Yeah, training and camp time. Besides, like, Romeo being Romeo, it's kind of it. I know that uh, Jerron Reed, the defensive end tackle that we picked up, has had some good plays. Um, I've heard basically the entire defensive line at one point or another. Uh, TJ Slayton, less so Jonathan Ford. Um, yeah, the entire defensive line has been killing it. Which historically in training camp, defense is always better than offense. And if you you know couple that with the fact that the offensive line that we've been putting out there is definitely not our preferred starting yeah, it's group. It's basically a bunch of backups for the most part. It's a bunch of backups coupled with Jake Hansen, who we thought would never play an NFL game. Correct. But it's still nice to see the defense doing work, yeah. right? No, I, I agree. And we do have some starting linemen out there, I think. Yash is starting caliber, right? Uh, JRJ. JRJ, Josh Myers. We're going to get the JRJ. I'm on the JRJ train now. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to hearing about it. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. So, yeah, I've, but defense is, they're electric. Like, even in person, right? They're fast. They're big. Like, it's it's a different defense than we've seen in years past. Quay looked pretty good. Uh, much more explosive than we used to be. Yeah, I like the pieces we have on offense. I think it's going to be fun to see how we, you know, come out and deal with the loss of Devonte. But this might be the first year that I'm more looking forward to watching defensive football, just based on the guys that we have. A hundred percent. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting, and um, I think that'll be a good segue because we saw a lot of that in the preseason game. We saw a lot of that, right? A lot of the defense or the offense being well, kind of both. But I think we saw a lot of the defense. I'll, even the backups, if you think about it this way, the starting defense really didn't play, right? No. Backup secondary, garbage. Pretty mm-hmm. much, yeah. For you the got most to see, part. like, but I mean, I wanted to see how Shamar did. He did a the backup he did fine. safety spots. Those are kind of important spots. They are kind of important spots, but like, the, I'm more talking about the defensive line. That backup defensive line, I think, played really well. Oh, those boys did work, right? So we're talking about Heflin. We're talking about Ford. We're talking about TJ Slayton. Like, those dudes. Do, Eight. They played really well. Oh, I planned on mentioning, for your sake, that Jack Heflin had a beautiful tackle for loss, knifing through on a halfback cutback. He had no part of it. He's like, nope, sit down. Quick question. How many times have we mentioned Jack Heflin so far? On the show today or in general? Today. Probably like three. 
and I would be remiss if it had, if I did not mention Prophetstown. Oh, Jack Heflin, thank you very much. This is season two, folks, but some things do not change. And will never change. It's part of the brand. As long as we keep getting people from Illinois, I'm going to keep shouting them out. I accept it. <laughs> but I was pretty impressed with that, honestly, uh, given that we ran out basically exclusively backups on defense. Um and San Fran didn't on the offensive line. Like, they were starting some of their legit dudes. It's because they have some question marks, I think, in that offensive line. So they're trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Our offensive line, I think, played relatively well. I would agree. Uh, when we were talking about my little preview with John Runyon Jr., there was a screen in the first half to Mr. Goodson. And uh, you talk about downfield blocking. And my, oh, my, just John Runyon was was right there i don't even think he was one of the primary blockers on the play but just the pure effort was really really good he's gonna be one of those dudes he so. is which is great especially at a guard get him out there mulling people right so who we had out there we had yash jrj myers hansen and newman at right tackle right that just doesn't feel right yeah newman played right tackle at old miss i believe but i think in the nfl he's definitely a, a guard and that would be what I expect going forward. Um, I think the second that Jenkins is back, that dude's back inside. Newman. Yeah, I would agree. He didn't look great at right tackle. I was surprised that Jake Hansen was the answer at right guard, at least for the meantime. I think part of the question there is who is, if Elton's not back, Elton Jenkins is not back week one, which is becoming more and more of a possibility at this point, um, that he is back. Who is our best right tackle? Is it Newman? Zach Tom's been playing out there. It's not Caleb Jones as much as I love Caleb Jones. But, like, who who plays out there? And our Packer fans who are not as insane as we are are like, wait, wait, Good for wait, you time for out. having lives. Yeah, what's a life? Wait, wait, wait. We had Bakhtiari and we had Alton Jenkins out last year. Like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, you forget that we had... Billy Turner at right tackle. Very was solid. A silent staple of yep. that offense. And you know, Lucas Patrick, who could play center in both guard positions and Correct. really was an eraser of flaws. And we had Dennis Kelly, who wasn't a slouch out there at right tackle. Yeah. I mean, he was at least an experienced veteran. Correct. And now we're, you know, making Royce Newman, who I don't think played great at guard, no. go play tackle. And then Jake Hansen, who was like a roster bubble level player. Correct. Now is our starting right guard. Granted, he played better than I thought. He still mm-hmm. did have two uh, penalties against him in the 49ers game. Yeah, I've, if you would have asked me, I would have assumed that he would have been more in the Cole Van Lannen group, Caleb Jones group of people that may or may not make the team. Oh, totally. Especially but, with the three rookie offensive linemen, Rasheed Walker, we haven't really talked about at all, but at out of Penn State. But I just, God, that feels like a weird group to be your ones. I, I can't see us starting the the year with Newman and Hanson out there if Jenkins isn't back. So we think Jenkins comes back, we put Jenkins at right tackle, and then Royce goes back to right guard? Everything I've seen so far, um, which has been, what, two days he's been back at practice, is all the clips and the pictures are him setting up as a right tackle. He's in a right tackle stance, which makes sense because we don't know if Yash can play left tackle. Right tackle. Or right, correct. We don't know if he can play right tackle. He never has ever Right, And some people really can't go from one to the other. Some people it doesn't affect. Some people, the change in, in stance really 
changes their ability to perform. So I think it makes sense. Yash, keep him where he's comfortable. When Jenkins comes back, put him right tackle. You put Newman back at right guard or literally anybody. Maybe if Sean Ryan decides to step up at some point, Zach Tom, if you feel like it, then you got options. You're really only worried about one position at that point. Well, I think Yash has earned his stripes at left tackle that as a key position in the offensive line. And we saw last year, as we talked about, you know, in the division round against the 49ers, it was again, another like, okay, let's just, you know, do an offensive line. That'll switch a what we, we put Billy Turner at left tackle. Yeah. That was stupid. We never and he got his that. ass whooped and yeah. Yash did perfectly fine, especially against San Francisco. That's when he came in, in the year. Yeah. I mean, it made no sense at all to me. And I think, Maybe we've learned our lesson. Keep Yash out there at left tackle. He's very serviceable at this point. Everyone's comfortable with him out there. Rodgers has played plenty of downs with him out there. Everybody else, Yash and Josh Myers right now are the staples. Just leave them there. You can play musical chairs with the rest of them until our all-pro guys come back. I'm okay with that. I think JRJ is pretty solidified at left guard at this point. I mean, you know, I talked about the screenplay, right, where I love his effort. Mm -hmm. There were still a couple plays where he missed blocks. Yeah, I mean, he's happen. not exactly a pro bowler at this point, but he's he seems he's a fine. young player. Yeah, young player, good size, plays with effort. Great and, name for a lineman too. And he has the pedigree. Like his dad was an offensive lineman in the NFL for like ten years. Yep. Like you cannot tell me that doesn't give you an advantage. It absolutely does, and that's why I think he's kind of solidified there. So I think center to left, we're good. Right. It's really just that right side. What do we do? And if Elton comes back, I feel really good about you can kind of hide Newman there if you have to. Or hopefully he makes that next step because most of his problems last year seemed to be diagnosing, communication. It was all mental. Mm-hmm. Physically, he seemed fine. So that's the kind of thing that you hope to see a really big step on in the second year from a player. That things start slowing down. They can understand blitzes and twists and stunts a little bit better than they could previously. And that's where I'd like to see his growth but I'd really like to see that at right guard, not right tackle. I agree. What I'm also realizing is that we're almost at 50 minutes and haven't talked about Jordan Love or the offense. So I think we need to jump there if you're cool with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. Or the offense besides. You ready for like 20 minutes of J-Love? <laughs> I was going to say the offense besides offensive line, which was also a really key key portion of this game of the preseason. But yeah, J-Love, I think you know if you would have asked most Packer fans who they were most excited to see going into this preseason game, the answer was either J-Love or Romeo Dubs. 100%, yeah. I think out of curiosity for me, it would have been Jordan Love. Yeah, because we still want to know what we have there, right? Well, we have to because like we've talked about numerous times. Either, you know, we don't know what happens this season, right? Maybe Rodgers decides at the end that he's done. Yeah, And then possible. we have to keep Love and he's the guy going forward. Or he's really not and we need to trade him. But either way. We need to know. It behooves us if he looks good in the preseason. Really enjoy that vocab, by the way. Thank you, sir. It's one of my favorite words. So I think this Jordan Love week one preseason game Mm -hmm. and us talking about it is the essence of who we are as a show. Okay. Because if you're not watching the highlights, if you miss the game... And if you see, what, one touchdown and three interceptions. Two tutties, but fair point. Two, my apologies. You look at that and say, he played like dog shit. We even talked about our opinions of the game before the show, so this will be fun. 
I personally thought that was the best I've seen him look. Mm. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I enjoyed watching him play. I sped home from work. I sped, folks. I admit it. I broke the speed limit to get home to watch Jordan Love go to work. To to breaking the law on. Okay, maybe I was international podcast. Maybe I was going forty-one as opposed to forty. All right. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair point. I'm not going like sixty over. Relax. This isn't felony season, sir. Good. Good. Don't have to find another co-host. Yeah, you wouldn't. (laughs) Good luck. So J Love, huh? Yeah, J Love. So what did you see that you liked? Because I think I may be slightly more down on it than you are. So I look, I look forward to hearing this. All right. So J Love, we've talked about episodes past. What do we see from him? What do we see from him at Utah State? Mm-hmm. Which is why we drafted him. Mobility, big arm, off script plays. What did we see from him last year that we really didn't like? The ability not to be able to pick up blitzes and respond appropriately. Yeah. So in the first quarter, you see we're getting him involved out of the pocket. He has a couple like read option plays. He had a read option keeper where he kept it with Josiah as the lead block. Which was great. Actually, I saw that play at training camp. Like they ran it. I was like, what? Beautiful. And Love looked confident running the ball. There's also been talk about his footwork. There were several plays throughout that game. I guess mainly the first half was when he played where he's in the shotgun. He is, you can count the steps back, hike one, two, three, plant and throw. There was a fourth down. I want to say in the second quarter, like fourth and three, we're in San Francisco territory. The 49ers are sending cover zero, which to all of our listeners out there means that they have man on man coverage on all of our eligible receivers, and they're sending the rest as a blitz pressure, which Jordan Love, especially in Kansas City last year, did not respond well to. Correct. He reads it. He calls Hike. The play call was we had fades like on both sides. Romeo was one. It might have been Samure as the other on the mm-hmm. other side. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. He calls Hike. The pass protection did pick up well. It helps that Oren Burks, former Packer, was one of the blitzing linebackers, so he was a little slow, not to be surprised. (laughs) Love retreats, one, two, three, step and throw. Dobbs runs a great route. Yeah, cooked the corner. Cooked the corner. Kadar Holman, by the way, former Packer. Yeah, don't miss you, bud. (laughs) Cooked him. Touchdown. So you see that. That's great. Yeah. He looked to have a better pocket presence as a whole. When things were breaking down, he was able to escape and scramble. Now, granted, other than the play that I previously talked about, a lot of those were called back on penalties, Mm -hmm. holds and whatnot, which I know, you know, bring the play back, but doesn't necessarily take away from my view of him on that play. Which is completely fair. Yeah. Because you're you're isolating him, right? Exactly. And it's like, you know, you watch some plays on a run or whatever, and you're like, oh, yeah, that whole like definitely made the play. And other times you're like, oh, that's shitty. That didn't really matter. Right. Had nothing to do opposite side of the field. So better mobility. He looked more confident. Yeah. And just, you know, better um, just fundamentals with the footwork, planning your feet, 
knowing the reads, and throwing the ball. Now, I said this is the best that he's looked, mm-hmm. and I'm going to stand by that. And he did show some upside, but he also missed like halfback dump-offs like three times. Yeah, it's kind of where my little bit of pessimism comes from. Yeah. He did throw an awful interception to Amari Rogers, which apparently Amari ran the ran. Amari ran the wrong route. My apologies, folks. Tongue twister there for apparently you. I can't talk. Um, but it was still, you know, just an inbreaking route over the middle. And maybe, you know, you're thinking that the defender's head's turned. But like when you watch, they showed a nice replay. And when you watch it, like the defender is literally step for step with Amari. You can, oh, yeah. Blanket you can, coverage. You can barely even see like the green or gold of his jersey. Yeah. Amari basically doesn't exist from yeah. Jordan Love's point of view. And so he still threw the ball. While you're making that throw, a little beyond me. Um, yeah, we, the, and the only chance you have there is to kind of like loft it, yeah. right, and hope that Amari can go run, run and get it, kind of over the head. And nope, he just zipped it right in there. If we're talking interceptions, the other two, if I may jump on, yeah. First one, I was also thinking for the show we're gonna do stock up, stock down. Yeah, Tyler Davis stock down. So yeah, that's rough. Jordan loves first interception. They go five wide. Tyler Davis this. Primarily receiving threat tight end is all the way out to the right. Closest thing we have to Big Bob. Yeah, I would, I would say. say that. But so, you know, receiving threat, you expect him to, I don't know, catch right. the ball. They have him on an inbreaker, hits him right in the hands, goes right off of him. Like a lot popped up in the air. Yeah, he plays volleyball, sets that thing. Easy interception. Second one is on like a third and short, and they do, what, what do we call it in Madden? The arrow route, Luke? Yeah. It's correct. the arrow route to Romeo Dubs. Which some people have criticized the ball location, but I actually thought it was perfect. Nah, I would I would criticize the ball location because Romeo had to kind of spin back high and inside. But with how close that coverage was, if you put that in the traditional location, that could be a pick six. Well, I think you have to do high and outside, not high and inside. We can disagree. We've done that before in this show. Correct. I'm just I'm saying the ball placement was not great, and when viewed in totality. With his other short accuracy issues, shows me a, a pattern. I think I don't necessarily believe that was where he wanted it to go. Now, was it a pick? That's kind of a separate question. Yeah, should have Romeo caught it? Yeah, definitely. Right, but so there's there's a lot going on with that specific play. You view it as good ball placement. I view it as probably suboptimal ball placement personally, especially when viewed with the rest of his issues with kind of the the flats and dump off areas. Uh, but realistically, two of the three weren't really on him. Yeah. I've been saying for years, there needs to be an asterisk somehow when you're looking at quarterback stats, right? You know, you're watching Monday night football and they pull up. Oh yeah. This is Aaron Rodgers. He's got this many yards, this completion percentage and this many touchdowns and interceptions. Got to do a parentheses there with the number that should be ruled as not the quarterback's fault. Aaron would have like one real interception a year then. <laughs> Probably. But I I know I'm living in a fantasy world, but I I would appreciate that somehow because I would say at least two of those were not his fault. The third one most definitely was. 100%. All right. Got it. Also, just pause for me being the optimist on Jordan Love. I might <laughs> go to the hospital. There's something wrong with me, right. folks. This feels weird. Please fire away. Well, I think basically, I mean, we kind of touched on most of what I didn't love about Jordan. Uh, (laughs) 
Well done on the pun. Well done. I honestly don't know if, yeah, okay. We're definitely still in preseason mode, but we're getting there, folks. We're getting there. Um, I think it was really just the short ball placement and then the decision-making of the Amari throw in particular. Didn't love that. Um, because even if you ran the wrong route, it doesn't mean you're just going to blindly throw it there. Right. I think maybe that's, that's a time that you take off with your legs. Right. And I think that's some of the the interesting part of what we saw is we kind of saw him get out of the pocket, right? Go a little off script. I think Matt LaFleur even brought up that's what he would have liked Jordan Love to do in that case. Is if something messes up, hey, just extend the play, see what you can make happen. Um But that was really one of the only times that specific play where it felt like he hit the back foot, ball goes out, right? He did that several other times. That was the only time where he it was a poor decision. It was like predetermined that's where the ball was going. Which was old Jordan Love, like Kansas Correct. City Jordan Love, which drove us both crazy. Absolutely. Now, like, I don't think the Romeo throw was a very good one. Uh, he missed a lot of easy dump-offs in the flats. You know, what, what's going on there? Is he not getting, is he trying to pull an Aaron Rodgers and not get the laces and throw it? He's not stepping into the throws. There's probably a footwork issue there. Normally, if that's kind of the case, if you're dealing with dump offs, because you're not, you're not following all your steps correctly. It's still an NFL throw. You have to make sure your body's in line, unless you're Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, something like that. But like, you still have to go through all the steps of throwing a football correctly to get it where it needs to go, if that makes sense. But I'm with you. We got. It sounds stupid, and coaches talk about it all the time. Like got in and out of the huddle really well. Like I hate when people say that. Like you're an NFL quarterback, you should be able to get a play called and get out of the huddle. Me or you could get out of the huddle pretty well. I I think so. Once I got there, it'd be terrible. I wouldn't be able to see over anybody. But hey, we do what we could. You said it, not me. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Luke is five seven seven, and a lot of heart and a great dude. And I love you. But thank you. Yeah, you might have some issues. This is true. Hey, if Doug Flutie can make it, I can make it. All right. You are not as magical as Doug Flutie, and <laughs> Do we I know? love you like a Do brother. We no, we don't know. <clears throat> Shout out to Doug Flutie and all the short quarterbacks out there. Anyways, um, but he did. He felt significantly more confident in his actions, right? And I love the read option. I love that we threw that in there. Um, I find that super interesting. But, and if I could jump on yeah. that, after they ran it, we always talk about you know showing teams a look and then making them respect it. Correct. I know it's preseason, but the Niners definitely had to respect it after they saw it. That's one of those things like, why didn't we pull that out in Kansas City last year? That's probably something that Jordan Love has been doing for 15 years at this point in his life, right? Ever, ever since like peewee football, this dude's probably been running read option at, at this point. Do something like that to make him comfortable. He's quick. And he's a big dude where it's like... Yeah, we're not talking Josh Allen, Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson out here, but like he can move. Obviously, he you, he can get you 10 on a read option if it's open. And if he's getting into the secondary on a run, if he's being tackled, unless it's you know like a Tyron Matthew or someone, he's usually falling forward. Yeah, I think so. He's, he's a big frame dude. Correct. So I really liked the confidence. I think the play call had something to do with that. Um he made some nice throws. That Romeo throw was great. And actually watching that live, I was freaking out a little bit. It's like fourth down. Okay. I think it was Josiah. I was just going to say, was, I, I wanted to pause and say, did you have a little bit of PTSD? Yes. 
because you had Josiah running wide damn open, wide damn open across the middle. And yeah, it was like fourth and one, two, remember, back to San Francisco. Why does it always have to be at San Francisco? <laughs> back to Lizard King screaming open. Even Correct. Josiah was screaming open. Oh, my man was wide open. Your man. Right. I, I'm. It I was got a general you. I term. know. I know. General just, term. Just had to say it. I know. He's definitely your man sometimes. He, You've lost some faith. But we'll talk. Wide open. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. What are we doing? Well, two plays before, you talked about all of his short accuracy issues, yeah. and he did have some, but he definitely had, at least that's the one that sticks out, was two plays before. He had Romeo, who beat his corner, just missed him. Correct. For an easy touchdown. And then two plays later, it was like deja vu. There's like some sort of weird tripping going on there. It's like Romeo felt like he kind of slowed at the end, though. I think he kind of got tangled a little bit. But yeah, burned the corner, right? And then I see him lob it up, and I'm like, okay, somebody thinks he's Aaron Rodgers. Because every time it's fourth and short, you can guarantee that thing's going towards the end zone. <laughs> Feels like every time. We just refuse to take the easy first down. But I mean, great ball placement on that. That was perfect. That was, you're right. Diagnose the blitz, hit that back foot, bam, that ball comes out nice and loft, let Romeo go get it. He burned the corner so bad. On all levels, the offense. Yes. Romeo's route, loves decision and just the footwork, and the offensive line picking up, I guess it was more like, I mean, it was six coming, but it was really like five when it came down to it, because I I think it was Oren Burks or whoever was a little slow. Hey, as they mentioned like 12 times in the broadcast, Oren Burks did sack. Jimmy Garoppolo last year in San Francisco. Okay, we can just pause for a second for all of our listeners. I don't know how many of you guys watch preseason football. You know, Luke and I living, as we know, in the Chicago land, we're forced to find streams. Correct. And when you find streams in the preseason, it's not like normal NFL games where you have a neutral broadcast. It's always one team or the other. And I know that I could only find 49er streams. Oh, yeah, which was terrible. So... On, an, on a given play, they're talking like 85% 49ers. Correct. And then they'll bring up, oh, yeah, and this guy was wearing this jersey last year when he had probably the best play defensively of, of San Francisco history when he blocked the punt. And I was like, kick rocks. <laughs> like, do I need to go find a therapist for this trauma? Like, Jesus, Murphy. We need some Wayne Larvey in our lives. That's I'm really hoping need. for next next preseason game that it's it's a Green Bay Packers stream we can find. I hope so. My I God. Hope so. Yeah, it was a little rough. But they did bring up Oren Burks, who was a former Packer, without a doubt, at least six times. They did. And he was very active, but they didn't bring up that Kadar Holman was also a former Packer. You know, they didn't. And I thought that was weird Agreed. as he got burned down the sideline. I mean, they're a little zoned into San Francisco. Which I get. And Oren Burks did sack. He did Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G last year. And Kadar Holman, well, he was probably Texans by then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was doing nothing. But so I thought that was. That was really good. That's what we want to see a lot more of. And I think some of the same problems plagued him when I saw him in training camp. Threw a fair amount of picks. I think he threw like three that day. Uh, and not that that necessarily means anything. So right, you're throwing the ball and you don't really have a choice. And you're putting into some of these situations. But some of the, the decisions were not as good as I would have liked. And preseason and training camp is the time for you to make those decisions. Right. You kind of always want your quarterbacks to have Maybe you don't want, but I think you're less alarmed and they're throwing picks, you know, before the season starts because they are testing their limits. Exactly. You're trying to find where that line is. Exactly. So that was interesting. And I agree. It's probably overall the best he's looked. I would like him to look a lot better next time. Overall grade, 
in honor of Sally, you know, let's do a classroom grading. It's what the do you first give day of school. Yeah, right. Um, Hmm. Maybe like B minus. Okay. Because I think if right two touchdowns, three picks, I'm spoiled. Right, I'm spoiled. So we've watched Aaron Rodgers, and he had a season's worth of picks for Aaron Rodgers in this game. Can we say two touchdowns? I would say one. I'll give you two, two and two. But here's the thing, right? I'm used to a quarterback that somehow magically never throws interceptions. Maybe because he never throws to Tyler Davis. Okay, like, like that's once. not true. He did last year. Like <laughs> once. You throw him to him once, and then all offseason, okay, our next segment is stock up, stock down on other players, and I'm slamming Tyler Davis. Okay, well, we're, I'm pretty much done here, so we're good with that. Uh, but I think, you know, somehow Aaron has the magic where it just it just doesn't happen. Jordan doesn't have that, so I'm not used to that. But I think I think like a B minus are things I liked, some accuracy issues, but also some some flashes. This is the highest peak I think we've seen him. The most upside. You talked about flashes last year. There was that whole part in an episode, and you were like, Devin, what flashes have you seen? And you You're really, true. I was like, yeah, during the headlights. Right. That's were, true. Because like, what was the throw that you were like, hey, that was good. And we they, had a couple. And he did. Yeah. yeah. It was You're nice right. to see. And I'm excited to watch him play again. All right. You talked me into it. B, your turn. On the rating of, of his game? Yeah. I'd probably go about a B as well. Which... I think that's fair. So He B... looked like a competent NFL quarterback this time around. Not a good one, but like he could be on the field and not embarrass us. Peter Bukowski, who we often mention is the host of Locked on Packers, who, you know, to some credit, when I DM'd him asking him for... You know, advice about making a show or which websites mm-hmm. to go to. He has responded to, so I'll give him he some did? love. Oh, good for that. Yeah, good man. He's a good dude. Did he give you anything of note? I mean, he sent me a couple of websites to go to. I I've chose to describe subscribe to other ones, but fair enough. He wasn't a dick about it. He was cool. So were any of them the leap? Oh yes, he's, <laughs> he's always about his is the leap the leap show. But what he was saying is, I think what a lot of Packer fans could relate to is that. Um, Jordan Love is like a like a Rorschach test, and yeah. whatever you saw of him before we drafted him is what you see now. I think this game more than ever. But I'm gonna say is that I was someone who totally hated Jordan Love. I wanted nothing to do with him. One of my passwords for one of my online accounts, I'm not gonna say which one, is I hate Jordan Ten. <laughs> it's true. Don't go trying stuff, folks. Please and thank you. But I was excited to watch him play, and I am more hopeful than I was. And if for whatever reason, if Rodgers is done after this year, I am less in an anxiety mess than I would have been two months ago. I think that's a fair way to put it. But still, he has a long way to grow. It's just nice to see that there was some positivity, whereas before it was There has been growth. It, you know what it felt like watching him before? Like watching Todd Collins in the oh, 2010 NFC Championship game. Where it was like, there was nothing. Like, you're a quarterback? R- really? How did you get here? You're a quarterback. Yeah. All right. All right, let's finish up with stock up, stock down. So we'll play stock up, stock down. We can sort of do it, you know, base training camp and preseason games. Okay, that's fair. All right, so one of us throws out a player name, and we both kind of talk stock up or stock down. All right, start it off, man. All right, so I'll go Tyler Davis. So... <laughs> It was just the easy one. It's not like anybody knows where this is going. <laughs> okay, folks. So 
all offseason, like Gutekunst, the GM, and Matt LaFleur have been talking up Tyler Davis. Yeah. Who this is a guy that we picked up off of Jacksonville's practice squad. We're talking about the tight end room, which is something we do discuss a lot. You have Luke's boy, who is, um, you know, kind of the head dog. McHenry's own. McHenry's own. I mean, but he's not the top dog. Big Bob, because we got we got big dog. We also have big dog. Oh god. So we have we have Robert Tunyon, who is like the vertical threat, uh, very good pass catcher. Also does a pretty good job in the run game and chipping and pass blocking. You have Mercedes Lewis, who is just the old man. Great veteran leader, great run blocker. You have Josiah, who we'll get into later. Just this weird hybrid H-back. Dominic Daphne, just kind of a question mark as to why he's on the team. But now I'm almost feeling better about Dominic Daphne than I'm about Tyler Davis because Tyler Davis was brought in to be a tight end receiving threat. Yeah, basically Big Bob, more or less. Same, Same mold. Basically Big Bob. So... When he has that dropped pass that went right off his hands as an interception, it's like, okay, bro, what are you good for? And then there were two or three running plays where, as a tight end run blocking, it's kind of an important job, his guy blew right through him for a tackle for loss. Yeah, not a good look. Not a good look at all. And we're talking about, you know, how many tight ends can you keep on the team? Three? Four? Maybe four. Especially with... Sounds so weird to say, but how deep the wide receiver room may just be of pieces that we want to keep. Are, but they're keep. deep. Yeah, yeah, we're deep. It might be deep with mystery, with optimism, with hope, but all the above. It's it's still deep. So for me, Tyler Davis, big stock down. Okay, I think that's fair. Stock down. Um, Anything you want to add to Mr. Davis? Not really. I just was enjoying you go on your rant about our four-string tight end. Uh, All right, I got one. I got one because we didn't bring it up at all. Amari Rogers. Okay. Amari Rogers. So, obviously, he had the wrong route run. I've heard some decent things about him in camp. Um, He had some problems with muffs early in camp. What I saw, he looked comfortable receiving punts in the practice I was at. Apparently, he lost like 10, 15 pounds. Feels a little bit more electric, closer to what he was in college because he kind of bulked up last year thinking he needed to for the NFL. You mentioned this last year. Yeah, going into the draft, he thought that he was going to be looked at more as a Debo Samuel vibe. So he bulked up anticipating he'd be running through tackles, which if you look at that little guy, no. I mean, he was pretty jacked for, for his size. I mean, he was more rocked up than I think Cobb's ever been. Okay, fair, but I feel like he looks significantly smaller than anybody else in the field. Like, it really fair. sticks out when he's That's out fair. there. That's fair. Uh, I'm glad that I brought that up. Man, I was smart a year ago. Uh, You're still smart. Thank You're my you. co-host, thank man. You. You, got some, you got some talent. But I think, overall, he's got to be stock up. And I say that because, part return, I mean, great return game for him, right? He had that big, big return, 50-yard return, and that got absolutely laid out by Rashawn Gary, which was hilarious. Laid out by Rashawn Gary, but you know what he also did? And I'm going to pause real quick for any of our listeners with children listening. Just mute their ears for a second. So Amari on this run, he he goes right. He has good vision and patience, I thought, for the kick return, waiting for his box to develop. And then you know who he runs over? Mr. Fuck the Packers, Robbie Gold. He runs right over him. And like clocked his head and his head bounced back. If you remember that. I do. I had some satisfaction beautiful. out of that. 
which should be obvious. So you got that. You got some good. I mean, he didn't muff a punt, so we're going to call that stock up as oh, I mean, already. Even just that. Even if you just called Correct. bear catch. That's and stock he didn't up. muff a single punt in the practice I was at. It was also the practice right after the jugs machine. I don't know if you hear about that drama. The jugs machine broke. Then right after that, they had to have some sort of like stand-in jugs machine the next day. And now they got like a super jugs machine that looks almost like a revolver of a jugs machine. I did see that. It's incredible. Anyways, you had that, I think, perfect example of what we want from him. Great kick return, right? Didn't fumble a punt. And then you had that little arrow route, right? The little quick out. The arrow route that was... That's the a, Achilles heel of us as Packer fans for so long. Well, it's because we mostly just threw it to Jimmy Graham for some reason, and he'd fall down. Or like we get like Lee. a yard. Anyways, so he caught it, turned up field, broke a tackle, did a little hesitation move, got into the end zone. That's that's what we want, Devin. That's exactly what we want. That looked like a a slot receiver, like a useful player. Correct. So I think huge stock up. I think he looked good. He still has a ways to go, I think, but he he looks like he could be a legitimate player. I also had some satisfaction and like excitement because after that return, like you said, Rashawn Gary decked him, but everybody else on the team is so excited for him, so even though his performance has not been what we hoped it would be. Yeah, like he is a locker room guy. Like they love him, they support him, and I just love seeing that. I know it doesn't matter on the field. But for me, football is so much more than just the X's and O's. Agreed. It's the storylines. It's the people. It's development. It's stories. I mean, that's what we love. That's why we go so in-depth. I agree completely. Do you want to do one more? One more each? We'll call it a day. Okay. Um, throwing me on the spot here. Another stock up, stock down. Yep. Okay. Um, I will go with some more Torre. Okay, good so pick. Mori Tori had a couple. He really stuck out in Family Night. He had a couple like deep go routes where he beat his guy both in one on one drills and in team activities. The thing with Family Night is sort of like regular practice, right? It's you know you have different sections. Yeah, and I think Wayne Larrabee said it is that you look for the guys that are kind of standing out all throughout the night, no mm-hmm. matter what section you're in. Samori Tori was doing that. You think of this guy as a speedster, a deep threat. It's like, oh, it's little MVS all over again. And the preseason game, Jordan Love hits him on like Love's second read, and he's in a deep in. Look good, right? I was going to say you love to see it, but I stopped myself. So thank only you for one, butting in. Only one Love pun per podcast, please. We'll probably pass that. So I've, I've, and everything we've heard is he's been looking great in camp, and he's. I would like to see him make the team. I don't know if we're going to have to hold seven wide receivers to do it. But anytime you have a seventh round pick come in and then kind of show out like that, yeah, let's keep him somehow. If we don't, unless he tanks in the next, like, what, two preseason games we have left? It's going to be hard to keep him on the practice squad. We only have three. Yeah, he won't make the practice squad. He has too much of a physical upside. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, I got one. I got one. No love for the defense so far. Isaiah McDuffie. Oh, my God. You know what? I haven't even looked at my notes because we've been so busy. And I wanted to talk about <laughs> Isaiah McDuffie. Well, then I'm glad I brought him up. Dude looks like a player, man. Uh, he looks good. And the dude was running with like, okay, I guess it's the second team because, you know, Campbell yeah. was out. But he was next to Quay Walker. Yeah. You know who it wasn't? It wasn't Ty Summers. You know what's crazy right now? Our... 
linebacker depth could be such a strength here because right we got we got Quay we got Campbell they're going to be the first team Chris Barnes the thumper who was a good starter his rookie year a couple years ago like legitimate NFL starter he's still a good player I still want him on the team yeah he's 100% still starter I mean he's not top half of the league or something but he's still NFL starter quality I feel Agreed. I like Chris Barnes a lot we'll probably lose him in a couple of years and then probably. he's gonna go start somewhere probably and then we have Isaiah McDuffie who is clearly probably LB four, maybe three. I don't think he's past Chris Barnes, yeah, but he's probably, probably up four. there. He's probably there. And man, I, he he seemed pretty athletic. He was filling gaps pretty well. Had a tackle for loss. Aggressive I he, he and did. trusting your instincts on some of those run plays, which is not we didn't really see anything from him last year. And I think a lot of that has to do with confidence, knowing the playbook, all that kind of stuff that you hope to see out of a second year player. Take all that hesitation out and just do what you do, right? And yeah, you saw some aggressive, you saw some athleticism, really excited uh, that I think we have some pieces we can rotate in. And now if one linebacker goes down, we're not completely screwed and running Ty Summers out there. We have good options at both spots. We can rotate. We can maybe do some different things depending on personnel. Uh, If Quay maybe starts a little slow, I mean, you never know. I hope not. And he looked good, but. Man, we got some we got some talent in that linebacker room now that we never had. No, this depth is pretty unparalleled at inside linebacker. I was just gonna say, you know, Luke, how many times have we kept five inside linebackers? Oh man. I'm gonna say very few. I would think so, yeah. My point being, we're not gonna have to worry about Ty Summers getting onto the field if Isaiah McDuffie continues to play the way that he did in San Francisco. I think you're right, and I also think what probably helps that is we've gotten several now, basically special teams only players that are clearly Bisacci guys, right? So we got Nixon, who he actually may, he may play like for real quarter and corner like four or five, um, and he looked fine. I was yeah. watching him a lot, and he was fine. We got uh, Levitt. We got if Carpenter makes the team, he's going to be clearly a three Carpenter, clearly a special teams guy. So I'm curious if we even really have a special team spot for. Ty Summers so I think you may be right we may be summerless this year (laughs) I like that summerless and I didn't like do an in-depth film review of special teams throughout the year other than our blunders we talk about Ty Summers being a special teams guy but I don't necessarily remember him being a stud right he was someone who played on special teams because he was he was LB4 but it wasn't like, oh, my God, yeah, we have to keep Ty Summers. He wasn't like a Tyler Medikevich or other guys that we've talked about, whereas teams for their LB3 or 4 do not pick, like, the best. Like their LB3 or 4 yeah. is not, like, the best, you know, guy they want on the field. It's someone who can play special teams, right. and they may be less suited on the field for regular situations. But, yeah, I would be much happier with Isaiah McDuffie. Also, just a great name. Sounds great like a folk name. hero. Great name. I love it. Kind of gives me like Simpsons vibes. Wasn't like Duff Beer Homer's go-to? Not my thing, man. I don't know. Someone email the show. Tell me I'm not crazy. (laughs) Please and thank you. Or DM us on Instagram. Or DM us on Instagram. Yeah, we're open for that. That was a nice little plug we did there. We had one organic one at the beginning, one organic one in the end. Nice job, Devin. Proud of you. It just happens, man. The only thing I want to say, because I know we're getting towards the end, is something to watch in the coming weeks. You know, going into preseason training camp, 
you really think that Sammy Watkins is a lock to make this roster? And now I'm not so sure. We haven't even seen what Christian Watson can do, but it seems like, you know, the roof, the ceiling cannot be high enough for him. Romeo is killing it. And Aaron himself said after one of the practices that 87 and 88 have really been showing him something special. 87 being Romeo, 88 being Winfrey. Yeah. You talk numbers, you got Lizard. Lizard at one. Let's just pretend like we're ignoring Watkins. Lizard at one. Cobb. Watson. Romeo. Dubs. Winfrey. Rogers. We're already at six. Toure. And then Toure is seven. And oh, by the way, little boy out of Wisconsin, Danny Davis, took one to the house on a he nice did. play from Jordan Love. Did wear number 20. Wearing 20. Love it. Atari Bigby. I loved it. Yeah, I agree. So all of a sudden, like this receiver room has depth. I could see Sammy not making the roster. He's been banged up in training Every camp. Every year, forever. Yeah. yeah, but this training camp, he's still banged up. And it doesn't look like... You know, he's not making explosive plays. We're not no. seeing it. He doesn't, from what I'm reading from reports. And from what I saw. It doesn't seem like he's any better than Jawan Winfrey. Yeah, I don't know. And Jawan Winfrey, by the way, played his ass off in San Fran. Numbers aren't great, but like, love threw a contested ball to him. Mm-hmm. One up in the air. Winfrey goes through like two guys to make the reception. They also brought Winfrey in on a lot of like the Lazard style blocks where it's not a crackback, but like you're tight on a running formation and you have to block somebody that there's no way you should block like a defensive (laughs) tackle. And he was just like, all right, here we go. Let me throw my body into him and did a good job. See it. It's these kind of guys, right? Yeah. It's, it's the same Lazard vibe is do whatever we need you to do to help this team win. Mm -hmm. Winfrey seems to be into that. I think that Sammy Watkins has something to prove. It'll be interesting to kind of see where we go from here. Definitely curious to see how that wide receiver room shakes out and look forward to finding out in the next preseason game which is what sometime this weekend i'm guessing yeah i don't remember what day but you know what i do know what is that we will be back next week we will be next for another back episode of your favorite podcast guys i just want to say thank you for coming back i know it's been a hiatus but we always love bringing you our packer content absolutely and until next time go pack go go pack go